0: chapter 11 of the three malamalgars this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the three malamalgars by walter de la mare chapter 11 battle went out hunting as usual the next morning tracks of leopards were everywhere in the night's thin snow he ventured not far into the forest "'and returned with only a poor old withered bird, "'too cold and weak to fly off from his gun. "'It's this way, my son,' he said. "'I've heard the thing before, "'that howl brings half the forest against me, "'like blue flies to meat. "'So all I does is to keep a weather eye open "'and musket a cock. "'One of these days, mulgar mio, shadow or no shadow, "'she shall have a brace of bullets in her vitals, "'as sure as my name's battle.' but in spite of his fine words he crouched gloomy and distracted beside his fire all day casting ever and anon a stealthy glance over his shoulder and lifting his eyes slowly above the flames to survey the clustering fringes of the forest around his hut but nod told battle nothing of his talk with the old hare he did not as much as tell him even that his brothers were near or that he had seen Imanala. he cleaned his master's gun he busied himself over his nano-cakes and nuts, and prevailed on battle to eat by making him laugh at his antics. The more he thought of leaving him, and of the danger of the coming night, and the stony cruelty of Imanala's gloating eyes, his heart fell deeper and deeper into trouble and dismay. But each time when it seemed he must run away and hide himself, he gulped his terror down and touched his wonderstone. He lugged out battle's jutty, when evening fell but battle had no mind of merriment and braveries that night he picked out idly on the strings old mournful shanties that sailors sometimes sing and he taught not a new song to bray out in his queer voice she's me forgot me who have sailed leagues across foam hunted by the albatross time now hath made remembered not i my dear love hath me forgot oh how should she whose beauty shone keep true to one such long years gone grief cloud those eyes i ask it not content i am she's me forgot here where the evening o bowie wails be mocking england's nightingales bravely o sailor take thy lot nor grieve too much she's thee forgot but even between his slow drawled hackety notes of deep and shrill Nod listened for the least stir in the forest, and seemed to hear the low, hungry calls and scamperings of Imanala's hunting-pack, which he had summoned from far and near to the tangled ravine beneath the rock. He got battle early to bed by telling him he would dress his wounded shoulder, which was angry and inflamed. With a poultice of leaves such as his mother, Mutta Mutata, had taught him to make. Now, says he, "'It be broad full moon-time, master, and all months of Mulgars will be gone hunting. "'But wake not. Nod, Prince of Tishnar, will watch.' And even as he said it, came remembrance of the pigs to mind. Battle laughed, thinking what wondrous good sense these two-legged monkeys seemed to have, concerning which King Anjika had yet himself often assured him that it is all nothing but a show and pretense, since man alone has wisdom and knowledge, and little remains over for the beasts to share. The warmth and sleepiness of his big poultice soon set him snoring, and in a blaze of moonlight, Nod warily opened the door, and stood in the squat black shadow of the hut, looking out over the forest. He had bound himself up tight. He had wound up his wonderstone in a piece of lead that he found in the hut, to keep it from hopping in his pocket, and had stuck the sailor's sharp sheath-knife down the leg of his breeches. Then, like but an ut or a gnome in that green waste of whiteness, he sallied out to destroy the nameless. He came to the rock, but no shadow couched there now in the sheen. He crept on all fours, and between two great frost-lit boulders peeped into the ravine. There, changing and stirring, shone the numberless small green lanterns of the eyes of Emanala's hunting-pack. He heard their low whinings, and the soft crunch of their clawed feet in the snow. Else, All was still. And nod called in a low voice, "'Why do you hide from me, Emanala, queen of shadows?' He waited, but no answer came. "'Venture out, mistress.' cried Nod louder, and we will be off together to the Ungar's hut. You shall sit on the roof and watch the hunting-dogs at their supper. At that, up by a narrow path from the ravine, stole Imanala, and all the jackals and jackatrays fell silent, staring with blazing eyes out of the darkness. "'Call not so lustily, Prince of Tishnar,' she said, fawning. "'We shall awake the Ungar. "'Owe!' "'said Nod boldly. "'He sleeps deep. "'He fears neither beast nor mirmat in all this frozen munza. Bid your greedy slaves stand ready, Imanala. "'When I whistle them, supper is up.' "'Imanala lifted her flat grey head and seemed to listen. "'I hear the harps of Tishnar in the forest, "'the leaves of the branches of the trees of my master. "'No Manasi stir, and yet there moves no wind.' She fixed her colorless eyes on Nod, with her ears on her long, smooth forehead pricked forward. What is the cunning Mulgar thinking beneath all he says? Like fine sand and water, I hear the rustling of his thoughts. Nod took a long breath and shut his eyes. I was thinking, he said, what stupid fellows must be these dogs of yours, seeing that each and every one keeps whimpering. The head, the head for me but they must wait in patience yet a little longer, if even a knuckle-bone is to be a share. I will go forward and choose out all that I and the Mullamulgars, my brothers, want of the Umgars' house-treasures, before the Jackatrays tear everything to pieces. "'Softly now, softly,' said Imanala, "'you think very little of me, Nizanila. "'Do you dream I came from far to protect you from my slaves, roses, and Jackatray?' "'and now am to get nothing for my pains. "'What of that stiff coat drenched with magic? "'That is mine. "'No, no, little greedy Mulgar. "'We share together, or I have all.' "'Well, well,' said Nod, as if unwilling. "'You shall take part, mistress, "'though all that's there is truly Tishnar's. "'Follow quietly. "'I will see if my baffle be still asleep.' Imanala crouched snarling in the moonlight, "'and Nod ran swiftly to the hut.' The moon streamed in on the sailor's upturned face, where lying flat on his back, he snored and snored and snored. Then Nod, very quietly, took down from its wooden hook the sailor's great skin coat, his belt of ephelanto-hide, his huge hair-hat, all such as in his wanderings he had captured from black kings and men of magic. He filled the pockets, he stuffed them with bullets and copper rings and stones and lumps of ice, everything heavy that he could find. At the rattling of the stones, battle rolled over, muttering hoarsely in his sleep. Nod stopped instantly and listened. No words he understood. Then once more he set to work, and soon had dragged the huge stiff coat and hat and belt one by one over the door-log into the snow. "'Hither, come hither, hasten, mistress,' he called softly, capering round about them. "'Here's a sight to cheer your royal heart. Here's riches.' what have we here but the magic coat which the Umgar stripped from the makiso of the old lore Shilabanza that feeds a hundred peacocks on his grave very very heedfully Imanala drew near on her belly in the snow cat-like she smelt and capered have no fear beast of shadows called nod softly the Umgar sleeps like moss on the tree of everlasting then all her vanity and greed welled up in the beast of shadows "'for whosoever her dam may be, "'and all her lineage of solitude and strangeness, "'she has more greed than a wolf, "'more vanity than a vixen.' "'She thrust her long, lean head into the cap. "'Do but now let me help you, mistress,' said Nod, "'as I used to help the Oomgar. "'Stand upright, and I will thrust your arms into the sleeves. "'We must hasten. We must be quiet.' "'At every glance her greed and vanity increased.' Nod heaved and tugged, till his thick fur lay dank on his pole, and at last the dreadful beast was draped and swathed and mantled from ears to tail in the Oomgar's coat. "'Now for the Dondo's belt of sorcery,' said Nod. "'Sure none will dare sneeze in the months of Mulgar, when the sailor-man is gone.' He put the thick belt round her lean body, though his head swam with her muskiness, and drew it tight into the buckle." Gently, gently, little brother," sighed Imanala. "It is heavy, and I scarce can breathe. The very Ungar himself used often to snort," said Nod. "But why does he keep so many stones in his pocket?" pined Imanala. "Why, Queen of Wisdom? What if the wind should blow and all his magic flit away? Ay, ay, ay! Stripped from the mkiso of the dead Lord Shilambanza, came this coat into my Misamart's hands." Who feeds five hundred peacocks on his grave, and now his wondrous cap of hair, nine falbies as I live, were flayed to skin that cap withal, said Nod, and seven rogue ephelantos gave the umgar of their tails. Ah yes, groaned Umenala, but what are seventy ephelantos compared with Imanala, queen of all? Now said Nod, I will weary myself no more with speeches. Is it warm? "'I am in a furnace. I burn. Is it too loose? Does it wrinkle? Does it sag? Oh, but I can breathe but a mouthful at a time.' "'Last and last again, then,' said Nod, packing into the pockets one or two of the stones and bullets and lumps of ice that had fallen out. Is it comfortable? Oh, my friend, my scarce wise Mulga Royal, when did you ever hear that grand clothes were comfortable?' Wait but a little moment, then, while I go in to fetch the magic glass that will show you your face, Imanala, handsome and lovesome. The beast struggled faintly in her magic coat. Have a care, oh, have a care, Ummanada. The gun, the gun. The Umgar might wake. Let me creep swiftly to my stone and bring the glass to me there. The Umgar will not wake, said Nod. He sleeps as deep as the ghost of the rose upon the bosom of Tishnar. "'But, oh, Mulgar, think again. "'Strip off from my body this grievous belt,' she pleaded. "'You will keep nothing for yourself.' "'Have no fear, friend,' said Nod shakily. "'I will keep,' and his eyes met hers in the shadow of the hat, "'stony and merciless and ravenous. "'I will keep,' he grunted, "'my spaffle.' "'He went into the hut and seated himself on a little stool,' Then very carefully he took the wonderstone out of his pocket and unwrapped it. Its pale gleam mingled softly with the moonlight, as a rainbow mingles with foam. Wetting his left thumb with spittle, he rubbed it softly, Samawiza, three times round, and distant and clear as the shining of a star, a voice seemed to cry. The spirit of Tishnar answers, Prince Umanada Nizanila, what dost thou require of me? oh by tishnar only this said nod trembling that the nine and ninety hunting dogs in their hunting mistake the ravening beast of shadows in manala for the sailor man's a baffle my master and friend and surely when nod looked out from the doorway it seemed that strange and terrible the shape muffled with the Umgar's coat was swollen out stretched lean and tall that even lank gold hair did dangle on her shoulders from beneath the furry cap. It seemed he heard a far away crying, crying out of that monstrous bale, as the creature within, standing hidden from the moonlight, began to sway and stir and totter over the snow, and Nod, choking with terror, called one word only, Sulani! Then with all his force he whistled once, twice, thrice, "'clear and loud and long and shrill. "'Then he shut fast the door and barred it, "'and went and crouched beside the Umgar's bed. "'Already battle was wide awake. "'Ahoy!' said he, and started up and thrust out his hand for his gun. "'Steady! Oh, steady, Oomgar's a baffle!' said Nod. "'It is dogs of the Imanala only that soon will be gone.' "'Even as he spoke, rose out of the distance a dreadful baying and howling.' battle leapt up out of his bed to the window-hole but nod squatted shivering his face hidden in his hands ghost of me what is it said battle to himself what beast is this thereafter Makiso or man of the woods it reeled it fell it rose up it wheeled slowly faintly weeping and whining and then stood still with arms lifted high struggling like a man with a great burden but over the crudded snow like a cloud across the moon, streamed with brindle hair on end, jaws gaping and flaming eyes, the hungry pack of the shadows' hunting dogs, Umgar, 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 they yelled one to another, Imanala, Imanala, Death, 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 and presently, while battle in amazement watched, there came one miserable cry of fear and pain. The tottering shape seemed to melt, to vanish. Then Nod scampered and opened the door. What say you now, hunting dogs? Was the Oomgar tender or tough? Tough, tough, they yelled. Go then and tell your mistress, queen of shadows, Imanala, that you have supped with the prince of Tishnar, and are satisfied. Why lurks the little mulgar in the Oomgar's hut? Yelped the lank, hoary Jackatray. I guard her treasures for the nameless, said Nod but he had hardly said the word when he heard battle striding to the door. "'It's no good prattling and blabbing, my son,' he was saying. "'If come it be, it's come. Off now, while your skin's whole, and let me give the rogues a taste of powder.' Two or three of the hunting dogs yelped aloud. "'What, my brothers?' said Nod. "'Did you hear the Umgars mere much calling for his gun?' A few of the meaner dogs scampered off a few paces at this, sniffing and cocking their ears. "'Out of the way, Pongo,' whispered the Englishman through the doorway, and the next moment there fell a crash that nearly toppled Nod into the snow, and Battle strode out of the hut with his smoking musket. But the cowardly Jackals, at sound of his gun and at sight of the ghost of the Oomgar they had torn to pieces, lifted up their voices in a howl of terror and in an instant, over the snow, they swept off at a gallop, and soon were lost in the moonless silence and shadowiness of Munza. Nod turned towards the hut. Battle stood in his breeches, his gun in his hand, his blue eyes wide open, as if in fear. End of chapter 11